One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 179. When the words entrepreneur or business person come to mind, what do you imagine? Oftentimes we're told that the most successful business owners have the most outgoing, loudest voices in the room. How many times have we all been told that speaking up is the way to success? My guest today, Tara Reed, is here to tell you that there's very much a place for introverts in the business world and that if you identify as one, you don't have to change a thing. Tara Reed is a multi-passionate entrepreneur who supports online business owners to help them develop authentic marketing and sales strategies. She is also an introvert and she hosts the podcast Introvertpreneur. As someone who personally identifies as an introvert, there were so many moments in this conversation that really resonated with me. And if this sounds like you too, get ready for some major aha moments. If you don't think of yourself as an introvert, though, there is still a ton of valuable content in this episode for everyone. In this episode, we discuss why not niching down might be the answer for introverts in the online business, the principles behind a value ladder and how a value ladder can serve as a sustainable revenue generator, how to determine what product suite of offers is the right fit for you the ways that multi-passionate entrepreneurship is a strength for introverts, and so much more. One last thing before I air the interview with Tara. If you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you know that we have a new segment on Making Good called the Small Biz Spotlight. The Small Biz Spotlight is a short and sweet episode with a small business owner like you. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for the chance to get to know a fellow small business owner, learn about their business, and listen to their tips, tricks, and advice for other small business owners. Okay, so with that, let's get into my conversation with Tara. Hey, Tara, welcome to Making Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, super excited to be here. I'm really thrilled to have you. This is a topic we're going to be talking about being an introvert and an entrepreneur. And this is very near and dear to my heart as an introvert myself. So um, I'm really excited to just dig into this. I know this is something that a lot of folks listening are going to resonate with. And I have so many questions. So I'm very excited. Before I get into all of those questions, I'd love to have you introduce yourself and share a little bit about what kind of work you do and a little bit about the path to how you got there. Yeah, so I have been a um, online entrepreneur for almost 17 years now. Um, I first started with a handmade jewelry business and through that brand and that business I kind that started as a hobby, I actually grew it to a six-figure business. Um and in that process I ended up getting a lot of people in the handmade business space asking me for help on their business and that kind of made me make the 
the small but steady shift into more of a service provider and helping other people. So I ended up selling my jewelry business and then going full-time into services. And now I call myself a business and marketing coach, um, primarily for multi-passionates and introverts, but I still do a lot of service-based work. I still do a lot of things. I'm definitely multi-passionate and I'm never going to niche myself and force myself into a box. I I feel like business needs to be fun. And I definitely Mm -hmm. follow that example. Awesome. I did not realize you had a product background, actually. So that is very interesting (laughs) because we have both product and service-based people listening. So I think that's a really interesting context and perspective that you can bring. As I mentioned, we're talking specifically about being an, an introvert and a small business owner or an entrepreneur. First of all, let's kind of maybe do a definition. Like what is an introvert? How do you know if you're an introvert? And how does it impact our experience of how we run our businesses and market our businesses? Yeah. So I I know there's a lot of misconceptions out there about introverts and what our strengths are and how we function. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, I feel like an introvert is somebody who needs to really manage their energy. They don't get energy from other people. They get energy from being by themselves, whether that means just taking a break and recharging, reading a book, um, hanging at whatever lights you up. I feel like that is what you need to do more of as an introvert. Whereas extroverts, they really get their energy from interacting with other people. And I think that's where the the opposite comes in. So, I mean, I'm kind of high on the introvert scale and I also have social anxiety. So that adds into it a little bit, but you don't have to be shy or quiet to be an introvert. It's just about how you best get energy to kind of refill your tank and how much energy you're giving. Um, so for me, like doing an interview like this, I'm, I'm giving energy. Whereas for an extrovert, they would be like, this would be ramping them up and exciting them Mm -hmm. and wouldn't be depleting their energy. So I always like after interviews, I always have to have a buffer in between calls where I can just breathe and recharge and just be my, in my own thoughts for a little bit. Hmm. Hmm. That's a great definition. It's really interesting that you made the connection between being an introvert and possibly really needing to work on things that really light you up and energize you. That is not something I'd really thought about. I have. I also resonate with the definition that introverts. It's tiring to be around other people. It's like depleting mm-hmm. of their energy. But I always, I guess, thought that like. The way that then you get your energy is just to be by yourself. But I like this. Like, I also really love working on things that light me up. And my business is certainly like yours, like fairly um, multi-passionate. So that's just a really interesting connection. I never would have drawn to being being an introvert. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I I call myself a creative, multi-passionate introvert. So for me, one of my favorite recharging activities is to just go into Canva and play and just unleash creativity and be creative. I know Mm -hmm. some people really love journaling. I just love to 
design things like that lights me up and recharges me. So I have so many half finished my, my Canva account is a mess, but um, (laughs) that's how I, I, I get my energy back is from being creative and shutting out the noise and just focusing Mm -hmm. on, on things that I, that I enjoy. Yeah. So we're kind of into this already, but you have a perspective about niching for introverts and whether or not that's the answer to, you know, niching is um, very commonly given advice to how you, how folks should run their business and their marketing. Um, how, what's your stance there? I know it, but share it with our audience. Yeah. So I, I really, oh, niching and me, I, I just, I, I'm not against it for some people. Like if, if you're somebody who is able to niche down and it was easy for you to do that, it feels good, then that's, that's fine. But if you're somebody who is trying to force yourself to niche down to one audience, um, one kind of thing that you main thing that you do or topics that you talk about And it's really challenging for you to do that, or you get bored and you pivot every couple months because you are bored. It's probably because niching is not for you. So instead of niching, I like to call it clarity. I I do think we need to have some kind of clarity around each offer or each product line or each thing that we're doing. But I think there's a way to have separate, um, what I call value ladders where each ladder is, has different offers or different products for a specific audience. So you really have clarity around each product or offer where you can really speak directly to the person that it's for, but you're not niching down your entire business to speak to just one person. Yeah, it's very interesting because it's um, it's the opposite of what a lot of folks teach. So I'm I'm so interested to explore this perspective. Um, so if you're not speaking to just one person, do you recommend that folks have like a different channel for each of them? For example, let's say you sell like three different types of things on your social media accounts. Are you keeping that in all one place, or are you recommending that folks have like a different account, let's say for each target customer. So in, in the past, I've definitely done the multiple accounts, but it leads to exhaustion. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's a matter of finding the common thread between all three of those people for those three different types of products. Like what is the common thread between them that you can speak to that will kind of resonate with all three of them. And then rotate those products. Like when you're talking about product A is a focus for this week, maybe next week you're going to focus on product B. So you're talking about all of the different lines to all of the different customers, but you're kind of finding that common thread to talk about all of them in a way that doesn't you know, if somebody is really interested in product A, but has zero interest in product B and C, um, they're not going to go away because you're talking about other things. They're still going to be like, okay, this does kind of resonate with me. It's not something that I need, but it's not something like you're not talking about it in a way that's going to totally turn me off from your entire business. Yeah. I think what I like about what you're saying, especially is we need to run our businesses in ways that energize us and feel Mm -hmm. good. And 
even if that means you're going against some of the commonly like accepted philosophies in marketing and in business, if it means that you're going to like stay excited and stay in momentum and stay moving, that's probably more important. And like, that's a good reason to break the rules sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if you're some, like I always say, like try to niche down first and then if it doesn't feel good or you find yourself wanting to change things up continuously, like I've worked with clients who completely pivot and change their business every couple months. And I'm like, okay, you're trying to force yourself into a box. You, you, you forced yourself into this box and then you get bored and you change it two months later and you're, you're not able to get any traction. So maybe you should just stop that and, um, focus on another way that you can, you know, shift services. Um, in this case, she was a service provider. So Um, She would switch from podcast management to then SEO services to then social media services. And I'm like, you're obviously multi-passionate. You don't have Mm -hmm. to like burn it all down and start all over because everyone's telling you to niche down. Niching down isn't for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think you can look at niching down in different ways too. Like you might be niching down to the certain psychological traits of the person that's going to resonate with you. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. the same, no matter whether they're like looking for SEO or they're looking for, um, podcast management services or looking for X, Y, Z other things. Like I like to think of the most important part of looking at our ideal customers as what's going on in their head. Like what are their values? What do they care about? What's important to them? How do they spend their time? Like to me, it's a little bit less important what exact job they have or, you know, some of the demographic stuff is less important. It's like who they are that, you know, that is more important. So I think in many ways, a lot of that's going to be the same across niches. If you're clear on like the person that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I feel that way too. Like, I think I've, I've kind of niched down where I'm like, I I really work with a lot of fellow multi-passionates and introverts, but the type of business they have doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I've worked with course creators, coaches, um, service providers, consultants, product-based businesses. It's really about what their end goal is to build a business that feels fun for them and doesn't force themselves into that box. So I think that's, that's how you maybe need to think about it instead of like, I'm only speaking to this one person who has this business and is wanting to do this next thing. And like, yeah, there's Mm -hmm. so many ways to, to niche down your, your messaging. You mentioned a little bit, the concept of a value ladder, and I would love for you to explain that a little bit further. What is a value ladder and how is this something, why is this something that's so core to how you approach your work? Yeah. So a value ladder is basically like a suite of offers that work together. And it usually starts for me, it usually starts with a free lead magnet and then it goes into a smaller digital product and then it goes into a course. And then maybe it goes into like higher level support, like a group program working with me one-to-one. And I love this model for multi-passionates, especially because you can have multiple value ladders. Like for me, I have one that's focused just on virtual assistants. And then I have one that's just focused on helping people create great content. And then I have one that is about um, 
SEO that leads to my main VIP day package. So I don't have to talk about all of my offers. Like I have 50 offer over 50 offers right now that I've created and are available for sale. (laughs) So I needed to find a way to talk about all these different passions and these different things that I could help people with without overwhelming my audience. So having separate value ladders for each suite of offers or suite of products that I have, um, that allows me to really then tailor the messaging. It allows me to really tailor the messaging in the emails that I'm sending. So I really focus a lot on my email marketing and I have about 300 different tags in ConvertKit. So I really know what people have signed up for, what they've purchased, what they're interested in. So I will very rarely send an email out to my entire list because I know not everyone is interested in building a virtual assistant business. But if Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that in an email and I know who has signed up for like my five-day challenge about building a virtual assistant business, I'm going to send that email just to them. Um, And I think that's where when it comes to being multi-passionate and really wanting to have messaging that works and is on point, that's where you're going to need to clarify and map out those value ladders. And really they're kind of audience ladders too, because um, if you talk about different topics, it's a good way. Like if I was to sign up for something around content creation. And I got an email that's like the subject line is, Hey, let's want to get another client for your virtual assistant business. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not a virtual assistant. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to unsubscribe, but yet I'm really, I was interested in everything that this person would have shared about content. Um, And I think that's a way to make it work for us multi-passionates that feels more fun and less restrictive. Like we only have to talk about one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so important to know why people are on your email list or why people are following you so that you can deliver the right stuff to the right people. That's a great tip. One thing that's just occurring to me as I'm hearing you talk about having 50 offers and all these different value letters is like, oh my gosh, how, (laughs) like, how do you manage, like, how do you manage all this? And I think this is a question I'm directing at you, but I think probably anyone listening who is multi-passionate and has the different elements to their business, maybe multiple businesses or multiple revenue streams are just like totally different things. How do you manage all of that? Yeah. So they've, they've definitely been a work in progress. Like most value ladders, for example, start off with one offer. It's like lead magnet. And then I start mapping it out from there. Um, so you don't have to start like, oh my gosh, I have to create a value ladder and have five different offers in it. And I don't have anything right now. Um, it, mm-hmm. you, you build on it as, as you learn more about your audience and what they're interested in on that topic and figuring out what you can create that, that they want and that's going to help them. Um, and then even now I still like, I have a, a value ladder that's like working pretty well. Conversion rates are great between offers. And, um, so because it's working so well, I'm like, well, maybe there's a gap that I can still fill in and create something else that somebody wants. So it's, it's a never ending process. You don't have to be like, oh my gosh, I need to go create like dozens of digital products right now (laughs) in courses Mm -hmm. and offers. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, you just start with one offer and then build it out from there. But I, I definitely 
um, am big on like, for example, content repurposing, batching content. Um, I'm very big on planning and organizing my, my time so that I'm able to create all these things. Because I mean, that's one thing that lights me up too, is creating new things and new offers. So Mm -hmm. that's part of what I love to do. And, um, I allow myself the space for that. Like I'm somebody who will have a new idea. Usually I get these new ideas when I'm trying to fall asleep and (laughs) I've, I've been known to wake up the next day and just map out an offer, create it, get the sales page done and send an email about it before like oh I have at the time I did have a team and they would be like, what did you do this weekend? Um, what is this that you just like created from scratch? And like, oh my gosh. but I, I know that that's what works best for me is like allowing myself flexibility. Like when I get this rush of inspiration that I have the flexibility to like move some things around so that I can go with it when I'm real, I'm really excited and passionate about something. Yeah. So, I mean, that I, you mentioned like you're big on planning and batching and time management. That makes perfect sense to me, (laughs) given like all of the different irons you have in the fire. Do you have any, like, I believe it's probably different for everyone. It's going to be like what works best for you, but how do you personally do that? Like what, what do you use to task management? Do you have a way that you organize your weeks in terms of like Mondays are for this, Tuesdays are for this or any of that? If we could peek behind the scenes a little bit, I'm really curious. As someone else who like has many, like I have a retail store, I have a stationery <laughs> business, I have the podcast, I have the membership. And like, I don't, for me, it mentally always kind of feels chaotic. And I'm, I've just kind of accepted that at this point. <laughs> but you sound like it's not that way for you. So like, how, how do you organize it all? Yeah, I mean, some weeks it, it can be. Um chaotic. I actually recently did a, um, a Google doc and shared it with my email, um, subscribers. And I was like, I'm writing down everything that I'm doing for the next week. And you can follow along live on this Google doc. And that was really fun um, to to share that behind the scenes. So that was an abnormally, abnormally messy and busy week though, for me. So I kind of wish I did that on another week that was more normal, but, um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, like the biggest part is that I use ClickUp for everything. ClickUp is my go-to project management system. Um, I always say if it's not in ClickUp, it's not going to get done. So I know that I, if I have something come to mind or I'm like, oh, I need to remember to do that, I have to put it into ClickUp immediately because I mean, I, I do get a lot done, but I also have a really horrible memory. So I need to rely on a system to like, keep me on track and let me know what, what needs to get done. And when, um, I'm very big. Like I've, I feel like I've figured out how I work best. So for me, I, I need to, um, like have, I, whenever I have a task, like an absolute deadline due date for something, like for example, today I have to record a presentation for a summit that I'm participating in. And usually for something like that, where it's like, I have a due date, it has to be done. I will give myself buffer time. So I actually put it as the due date and click up three days before it actually has to be submitted. Um, that way I know I always have a little bit of wiggle room in my schedule because I, I need that flexibility. And Mm -hmm. 
obviously it didn't work this time because I'm now having to record it today when it's due, but usually <laughs> it works. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the biggest thing for me is just, is just using ClickUp. And then what I also love to do now is on Sunday evenings, I will use my full focus planner and I'll open ClickUp, I'll open my calendar and I'll write down the most, like the big things that have to be done every day that are in there that have a due date. And then I'll start to see, okay, like for example, Tuesday looks a little heavy. I'm not going to be able to get all these things done. So I'll start to like move things around. And if there's certain tasks that are like in one system, like Canva, for example, I'll try to put them all together on the same day so that I can batch them. Cause I find for me Mm -hmm. switching systems and like jumping from one thing to the other, that really depletes my productivity. So interesting. So good to hear. So you don't do like themed days where like working on this kind of product this day and this kind of thing this day, it's more based on like what kind of task it is. Yeah, I I did try theme days and it worked for a while, but now I feel like I just have too many things going on that I can't <laughs> stick. <more> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I try to always take um I try to take Fridays as my CEO day where I will spend time on my business really like planning content, um strategizing plans for launches for the next month, um even going into because I love learning as a multi-passionate. I love signing up for courses and then never following through with actually going <laughs> through them. So mm-hmm. now on my Fridays, I will try to... I have a, all of my courses categorized in, in Notion. And so Fridays, I will go in and I will pick one and I will go through it and actually watch the videos, go through the training, download any assets. And mm-hmm. that's really helped me feel a lot more productive too. It's like a good way to end the week, I feel like. Yeah. Whenever I take courses, I'm always like, oh, yay, I'm so excited about this. Like something new I want to work on. Although for me, like, yeah, that would probably get me working on the weekend, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't have great boundaries. So, okay. So on the topic of being an introvert and a business owner, I asked folks in my membership group, what questions they have about this. And for whatever reason, I seem to have a lot, a lot of introverts in my group. Um, So there were a lot of questions for you. So I'm excited to to run some of these by you. So one of the questions that came up is how to show up either in person or on social media and not feel like you're faking it. Ooh, that is such a good question. Oh my gosh. I, okay. I, I love this question because I actually always talk about how it took me 10 years. The first 10 years of my business, I was forcing myself to show up on social media, pretend to be somebody I wasn't, um, do reels, Mm -hmm. show up on video. And it felt like acting. It did not feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I always share that happened is I think as introverts, we tend to think we have to change ourselves. Um, we feel like we have to be more outgoing. We have to be louder. We have to be more enthusiastic. And if that's not really who you are putting content out in that way, it's not going to resonate. People are going to tell that it's not authentic. It's not you. It's, and you're uncomfortable doing it and it's just not going to work. So you're forcing yourself to do it and it's, it's not going to get you the results you want anyway. So 
I feel like for most of us introverts that are in that boat and and trying to do that, we need to really reflect on how, why are we trying to change ourselves? I think that was the big part for me is like, I, I think growing up, I always looked at being an introvert as a negative trait because people would always Mm -hmm. say things in a negative way, like, oh, you're so quiet. You're so shy. Um, why don't you talk more or, <laughs> and, yeah. or you're, yeah, like you, you need to speak up. Like it was always negative. So I started to internalize that and think like, okay, there's something wrong with me. I need to change it. And there's not, it, it's just who we are as people. And I think I had a big self-acceptance moment when it came to social media and content where I was like, this isn't fun for me. I'm not an actress. I can't pretend to be somebody that I'm not. It's exhausting trying to show up and, mm-hmm. and pretend to be somebody else. It's very draining. And I think we need to have that self-acceptance moment where we're like, we, we need to stop trying to change ourselves and be yourself. And the people that are going to resonate with you and want to connect with you, they are going to start discovering you and, and connecting with you. So good. I love that. And I resonate with that so much that being an introvert, it's like when you're little, I feel like, yeah, someone calling you outgoing, like she's really outgoing. Like that's the ultimate compliment. And mm-hmm. if you don't identify as that, you're like, well, shoot, I need to figure out how to be more outgoing. I read the book Quiet by Susan Cain. I'm, I'm sure you've read it. Um, it's about introverts and I found so much comfort in that basically because it just describes the way that a lot of things in the world are set up for extroverts and Mm -hmm. actually a lot of the best contributions to the world come from introverts, but we just have to find, we have to build the world in a better way so that like our voices can actually be heard, even though we're not like the loudest ones all the time. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What about folks who like, I guess I will just ask you about your own experience. Do you, when it comes to energy, are you depleted by like going out on social media and being, even if you're being yourself, like, is that depleting to you or is that not because you're kind of doing it in the, you know, the quiet of your own home or wherever you are? Like, is that, I guess, how does that land for you? Yeah. So I actually left um, social media in June <laughs> um, and and it was because it felt very draining. Like it wasn't the content or like I, I always love creating content. For me, it was more like, for example, Instagram was where I was really showing up and, and trying to connect with people and build my audience. And it was working, but it was very draining to me because I was like, okay, I need to do all this engagement. I need to connect with people. And I would scroll my Instagram feed, looking to comment and make those connections. And what would happen is I would just get like overloaded with all the noise and Hmm. paralyzed basically. And I I think that's partly because I'm also multi-passionate and I love learning. Like I would just read everybody else's content and then never actually engage. It was very overwhelming. And I realized that I I need to let this go. Like social media, it can be fun, but it can also be very draining. And 
I took a look at my numbers and realized the amount of time and energy I was spending on Instagram based on the number of people who were actually coming to my website, not just commenting, not just messaging, but were actually coming over to where I wanted them to go was very low and not worth the energy that I was spending. So that's where I decided to make the shift and go back to the marketing methods that really felt fun for me that I actually enjoyed doing and could show up in a way that worked for me, worked for my audience. Um, And basically I don't miss social media at all. (laughs) So how do you do your like relationship building? Is that mostly on email? Yeah. Email is definitely my, my primary uh, marketing method that includes like having my funnel set up email sequences and that's where I'm, I'm really nurturing my audience and building that community. Like I'm starting to get more and more people replying to emails. Um, mm-hmm. Like my open rates have gone crazy since I made this shift and started really digging into it as my main platform. And then for visibility and like getting more people onto my email list, it's really SEO, organic traffic, um, blogging, my podcast, And then I also do a lot of collaboration. So podcast guesting like this, um, speaking at virtual summits, participating in bundles. Those are all things that can give your email list a huge boost. And then you need to just make sure that you're nurturing those relationships afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then also Pinterest is um, has always been my go-to to share my content. Yeah, I love the permission to like really pay attention to a where you're actually seeing your results, but be like, what is energetically best for you? And knowing that it's not Instagram is a good, good information to have. So I, I admire that. I like, yeah, I still like it, but I, I haven't, I don't think I've crashed the code on like having the exact right relationship with social media. Um, so I guess it's a work in progress, but <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting too. When you said crack the code, my immediate thought was, yeah. And they're changing the code all the time. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. They are changing it on us, which is why I'm a huge email person. Also my, um, like professional background is in email marketing and, and corporate marketing. So I loved that. That's like that's what you're leaning into and that you're seeing such great conversations and um, results from that. Because I think a mistake that so many of us make is just by default, we spend way more time on social media than we do on email when actually the ROI on email is across the board way better. Like the time you spent and the money you spend on email will always pay out better. So Mm -hmm. Um, it's just so easy to to give so much of your time to social media. So I admire the decision to just take yourself out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think so many introverts too, um, kind of struggle with email because it's like, Oh, I don't want to send too many emails. I don't want to bother people. Like that was my thoughts initially, but I, we always, we have to go back to like these people signed up, they want to hear from us and you know, they have the option of unsubscribing at any time if they're no longer resonating or connecting with what you're sharing. So never hold back from emailing your list. People want to hear from you. They've given your their email address to you for a reason. Um, 
And I, mm-hmm. I, I always have, I still have to remember that sometimes when I'm like, oh, I emailed yesterday. I don't want to send this. I don't want to bother people or, you know, last chance emails. I'm like, oh, do I send one more? You know, is it too much? I don't want <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just think of like, there's people whose email list I'm subscribed to that I am excited to open it when it lands in my email box. And so I think I can learn from like, what is it about these emails that makes me so excited? Usually it's like, there's something really valuable in it, or like, it's funny, or there's like good, good gifts all the time. Like thinking Mm -hmm. through how you can make that experience for someone, like how can you write an email that is like a joy to receive basically. So yeah, emails, email gets me going. I'm going to have to like, stop talking about email (laughs) or it'll be the rest (laughs) of the episode. Okay. So another question that folks in my membership asked, how to include yourself in your marketing without it feeling cringy. So I think this is about like talking about yourself or like photos of yourself. Um, maybe even like videos if it's on social media, I, especially a lot of product-based businesses default to an entire feed of like their products and never showing Mm -hmm. themselves. And the fact is like, we all want to see other people. We want to see the person behind the business. So for people who feel cringy, like, Oh, who cares about me? Who wants to hear about me? Like, what would you say to those people? So I've, I've definitely been there. I I can relate to that. Um, I think introverts, especially we, we don't necessarily like to, to talk about ourselves or we feel like we're, we're too boring. Um, but think about the people who, who, whose emails you open or whose social media posts you love consuming. Like they're probably sharing some stuff that if you actually go back and reread it, you're like, this is not actually very interesting. Like this is, but they've spun it into a story that, that makes sense. Um, like I wrote an email recently from a prompt that I gave out to my membership that for an email that was, uh, you know, what's your favorite food or what's your favorite, um, thing to cook for dinner. And my answer was spaghetti. And then I went into, oh, but you know, I, I realized that I haven't made spaghetti for a while because they discontinued my favorite spaghetti sauce. Mm. And then I turned that into a really exciting sales email. Mm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this, this is amazing. Like I never would have done this (laughs) just off the top of my head without this, this prompt. And so many people replied to that email and were asking me about what, what the sauce was, um, giving me recipes. And I'm like, <laughs> this is so much fun. Like we're connecting, we're building rapport. Like they're learning more about me as a person. Mm. And I, I knew even as a product based business, like that's what we want. We want to connect with the, the maker or the person behind it. Um, like what's their story? Why do they do what they do? What are they passionate about? Um, like people, I think even when it comes to products, people are buying, especially small businesses, we're buying from people, not necessarily the product itself. Um, Mm -hmm. like one example I'll share is I, a few years ago discovered somebody who made these amazing, um, ceramic mugs and they're like, they're all you, everyone is unique. They're all like, um, rainbow colors look like galaxy. And I bought my first one and then I got on her email list and 
the stories that she was sharing and like behind the scenes of her studio and like how she works. And it was so amazing what she was able to share. I felt like we were friends, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though I never actually (laughs) spoke to her or reached out to her. And then every time she would do a new drop, like my cupboard is full of about 12 of these mugs and they are like, some of them were like a hundred bucks each. So wow, <laughs> I just, I became a fan because of, of who she was and yeah, the product was awesome. The mugs are, are pretty. Um, but it was really like the, my continued support was because of her and, and who she was as a person and what she was sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's probably not necessarily telling stories about like climbing Mount Everest or like, you know, Mm -hmm. a highway robbery or something like really exciting. It's probably just like her everyday life. But we like that's what we can connect with because most of us aren't climbing Mount Everest or, you know, know? so like (laughs) we can relate to someone's conversation about their spaghetti sauce because like we probably also like to make spaghetti and maybe you know, have a spaghetti sauce we recommend or whatever. So uh, yeah, it's really amazing to me too, like how often it's the small details that are seemingly boring that are what people really connect with. Um, Another question that I've heard folks say, which I think relates to being an introvert in business is how to get comfortable speaking about your business. Someone said, I hate talking about myself and what I do. Yeah, I I can definitely relate to that one. I think um, most introverts, we do struggle to talk about who we are, what we do um, when asked or or put on the spot. So it's definitely something I I feel like gets better with with practice. Um, The more you do it, the the more Mm -hmm. easily it's going to flow and the more natural it's going to feel and the more the more confident you're going to have behind how do how you talk about it or how you answer questions about what do you, what it is that you do. Um, but for me, I think the first step before that is probably just doing a brain dump and getting really clear about who, who it is you, you work with, how you help them, um, why you do what you do. Like just basically just a document about, who you are as a business owner, like mapping out your brand values, um, your brand voice. Once you have those things kind of mapped out and solidified, it's going to make talking about your business a lot easier. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And practice. Like, I think, I mean, I wonder how you feel about this actually. I think for me, one of the things that's been like a big game changer for me in terms of how I show up in terms of marketing and content I create is like the willingness to be a little bit uncomfortable. So I feel like I'm always doing a lot of like stepping outside of my comfort zone. Um, how do you like, it, do you agree with that? Or do you feel like, I don't know, what's your, what's your stance on like, just being willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I, I think sometimes we, we have to be uncomfortable to, to try and test new things. Um, for me, I always say like, I, I don't want to have to push myself outside my comfort zone every single day. Like that would be very draining and exhausting and start to suck the fun back out of my business. So I try to 
do things that are more sustainable, but I do still sometimes have to push myself and do new things like doing live summits. Um, I do very few that are live that are not like I can pre-record my presentation and submit it. So I, I try to limit the ones that I'll do live because I know that it's way more energy draining for me. Um, but I will still do them because mm-hmm. they, they do get results. They are fun to do just I know that energy wise, I need to limit, um, like for example, how many calls I have every week. I, I need to manage that because having too many one day will just leave me so exhausted at the end of the day. And even the next day that I'll probably be a lot less productive. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do think we need to try and test yeah. things out. Like I, I sometimes with introverts, it, it's fear holding you back from doing things. So as I say, it's always good to try it, see how it feels um, and not just try it once, but try it for a little bit. And then if you're like, yeah, this is not for me, I don't like, for example, want to do reels. I, I hate it. <laughs> then it's okay. There are other like other things that you can do and other ways to grow your business. Yeah, I feel like that's a big takeaway I'm having from this conversation is just allowing yourself as an introvert to know that you don't have to do everything the way that maybe you're hearing shoulds, you're hearing that you should be doing reels or you should do X, Y, Z, like, yes, try things, but ultimately feeling free to design your business and your marketing around what you see working and like, even more importantly, what feels good and exciting and lights you up because that's mm-hmm. probably what's going to Yeah. And I know going. like, um, for the reels example, like we hear video is King reels are where you need to be at on Instagram. And that's because it is working. It's working for a lot of people, but if you're somebody who really wouldn't enjoy it, it, it's probably not going to work the same way for you as it does for other people who really thrive in that kind of marketing method and energy. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there anything before we start transitioning into the questions that we always wrap up with? Is there anything else you want to say about being an introvert in business? Um, I think my biggest thing, I guess I, I would say just to recap, like basically the entire message is just be open to testing things. Um, know that you don't have to change yourself. Um, there's nothing wrong with you as an introvert. There are ways to market and grow your business that are going to feel more sustainable and, and more aligned for you. It's just a matter of, of testing trial and error and figuring out um, how you work best. Love. Love, love. Okay. So how do you approach doing good through your small business? Yeah. So for me, I am very like, I've, I've incorporated a little bit of this into my brand and my marketing. So my three rescue dogs are like a huge, like I I don't have any children. So they're Mm -hmm. like my babies. (laughs) Um, so I share updates with them because they're all seniors. They're, they all have issues. And um, I've, I've started to incorporate that more into my messaging. And because I'm really passionate about animal rescue groups, I've started to lead into that and have like sales that are geared just towards supporting the rescue that I got all three of these adorable pups from. Um and I think also making an impact yeah. on on clients. I think that's a big part is not just um, like whatever you're doing, it's 
is improving somebody's life, whether it's your product um, is helping them feel a certain way, whatever the product is, um, it's, it's going to help them feel a certain way. There's, there's a feeling behind why they made that purchase. If it's a digital product, you're giving them some kind of win. So, and, and I think for me, my, my goal, especially with introverts is to just continue getting that message out there and make an impact for more introverts that are building businesses and working from home. Because like I mentioned earlier, it took me 10 years to have that realization that I need to stop changing myself. And this, like how I'm marketing and growing my business isn't working for me. So if I can help people avoid that 10 year period and and kind of shift that mm-hmm. mindset and messaging uh, much quicker, then that is going to make a huge impact on, on their life and their business. Totally. Love. What is one small business you admire? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I think for me, I would probably say... So Elizabeth Goddard, um, I've worked with her for over a year as, as in her like high ticket group program. Um, she's somebody who is really big on being ethical, being authentic. Um, and also she's super multi-passionate and has a bazillion offers. And I just love that. (laughs) And she really focuses on, on having a business Mm -hmm. that feels fun and not restricting yourself. So I can really relate to everything she says and everything she does. And she's really been an inspiration for me. Hmm, Fun. I will link to her for sure. Um, What is a business book that you would recommend? Oh, that is a good question too. Okay. So I always go back to my, my, the biggest one that made an impact um, in my business is definitely profit first for introverts specifically, mm-hmm. there is a book by Terrence Lee um, that is called The Introvert Leader. And his book, like um, I've connected with him in the past. He's He's been on, on my podcast and he's absolutely amazing. Like even on Instagram, he posts a lot of amazing content on Instagram for introverts. So if you do hang out on Instagram, go check him out um, at The Introvert Leader, I think. Um and his messaging is all about how, you know, even if if you're an introvert, you can still be a great leader. You can still lead a team. You can still lead a community. Um, you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. So yeah, definitely, definitely those two books. Absolutely. That's great. I will link them both in the show notes for folks listening, um, as well as his Instagram account. Great tip. And finally, where can listeners connect with you online? I know there's going to be a lot of folks who really resonate with your experience and um, how you've been able to design your business in a way that really sets you up to thrive and folks who might want to be learning how they can do the same. So um, yeah, where can people connect with you if you want to share a little bit more about um, any offers or yeah. Yeah. So the best place is probably my website. Um, It's at not at, oh my gosh, I'm doing Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, the best place is at my website, theterrorread.com. And if you go to my free resources page, you'll see, I think there's about 10 freebies and they are all for different value ladders. So you can see that as an example of how I've mapped out the different offers and 
probably the one that I would most recommend for anyone listening who's like resonating with this. I do have a free training that is about the four marketing methods I recommend for introverts. And I go in a little bit more detail about how to actually use each of those marketing methods, how to get them set up, how to make them work for you. And then also my podcast, um, it's called Introvertpreneur and we're just kicking off season three. So there's a ton of episodes that you can go binge listen to. So great. Well, Tara, thank you so much for coming onto the show. This is such a, I think, important conversation to have because yeah, the world is not always designed for introverts, but just giving us all permission to set things up in a way that's going to really help us be our best and do our best is permission. I think we all need. So thank you so much for this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Just wow. Oh my gosh. I found this conversation with Tara to be so, so refreshing and affirming. Huge thanks to Tara for all the food for thought for the big takeaways and for the vulnerability that she shared in this interview. I'm so grateful that she took the time to chat with me. Be sure to go connect with Tara. You can find links to her website as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 179. I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media. I'm at Lauren Tilden. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N. Now it's time for the small biz spotlight. And this week we're talking to Irene Rex of Chroma Rex. Irene is certainly what Tara would describe as a multi-passionate small business owner. In addition to her surface design studio featuring colorful home goods and artwork, Irene is also a full-time engineer, not to mention a parent. And I love the way that all of Irene's passions come together in her business. I loved having this conversation to hear more about the inspiration behind Chroma Rex. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. Here is our conversation. Irene, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Lauren. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you and for you to share a little bit more about your business, which I, as you know, I'm a huge fan of. We carry your products at Station 7. Um, I'd love for the listeners who don't know you or maybe didn't hear that previous episode that you were on, which we will link to in the show notes. But for anyone who doesn't know you, tell us about your business and the story of why did you start your business? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Irene Rex. My business is Chroma Rex, but formerly Rex made this. And I made that change just this year to put more focus on all of these great uh, partnerships that I have where I share the creative work. But my business is on uh, making happy, illustrated home goods to use in everyday routines throughout your life. Because I feel strongly that artwork is meant to be enjoyed on more than just your walls. That it's it's so much more fulfilling to be surrounded by things that make you happy and things you'll use throughout the day. And uh, I started my business in 2020, where this idea had been percolating for quite a long time. Back when my husband and I first moved in together, we realized that since we're not, you know, plaid and stripes people, we can really find things to furnish our, our home and, you know, Target or Kohl's or something in department stores. I don't want to give them extra, extra buzz. But uh, so it was important to me that at some point I just, yeah, I, I know how to do this. I know how to develop products. I, I should get them made and start my own brand. And I finally went for it during the pandemic because the company that I work for in my day job as a materials and process engineer, 
announced they were going to lay off 15,000 people. And I figured, oh, this is a good time to start up a backup career just in case it needs to turn into a full-time one. And if not, then at least it'll be a fulfilling creative outlet that I have on the side. And the way I'm able to do this too is that most of my revenue comes from wholesale rather than selling directly to consumers. So it's this happy medium of where I get to feel whole and also connect with not just customers and potential customers, but um, store owners that kind of feel like family now too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And one thing that we've talked about before is that your plan isn't necessarily to like, leave the day job behind and go do this full time, which it just, it speaks to the importance of just being clear on what you want and then building your business around that. Because if you weren't clear on that, you may not have like, you know, focused so heavily on wholesale, which actually I'd love, I think for anyone who's a product-based business considering wholesale, it might be useful to hear your thoughts on like why, given that you have such limited time, why did you choose to focus on wholesale so much? Sure. There are definitely products that I put more labor into myself where I'm hand painting things or drawing things, but the products that make up the most of my revenue are sold to stores who then sell them to customers. So that cuts out all of the work that I have to put in packing up orders. If I'm just packing up like 200 of something at one time rather than 200 individual orders. Yeah. Uh, where I just don't have the bandwidth to do that as an engineer having a, a full-time day job and uh, like family life and commitments there outside of my small business. So wholesale really allows me to focus on just maybe reaching out, making those connections with store owners every once in a while. And they kind of take on the, the heavy lifting of getting that out into the world. It's perfect mm-hmm. for me so that I can balance both. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What is your favorite thing to do in your business? Ooh, it's the creating artwork, but specifically creating artwork for products. Because all of my artwork is based on happy memories, but I don't really start anything without knowing what it's going to end up on. So Mm -hmm. for instance, my next new product is going to be, Oh, I've got two in the works. I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So one of them is going to be plant decorations where I'm going to be drawing different fun things to put in your terrariums or your planters and things to dress up your plants. But approaching it from an engineering perspective, I noticed that a lot of times they're made out of brass because you don't want it to corrode. But the brass is not recyclable. It's not curbside recyclable. So there's quite a bit of production waste that goes into just having this happy little decoration for your plant. So my idea was, since my specialty in materials engineering is actually corrosion engineering. (laughs) Wow. uh, I'm designing ones made out of anodized aluminum so that they can still be interesting colors. But the extra packaging you get outside of your little plant decoration is going to be a bookmark. And if you don't want to keep it as a bookmark, you put it in your curbside recycling bin and it's gone. Mm -hmm. It'll be turned into something else, but it doesn't add to landfill waste because mining and producing sheet metal is not friendly to the environment to begin with. So might as well make the most of it. Yeah. 
love. And oh, the other one is the bags. Yeah, the tote bags. I'm redesigning those too because I'm excited thinking about ways that I can make the entire production process for those um, more eco-friendly and create more of an, a local impact in our community too. Because those are going to be produced by a local nonprofit organization that's a job training and employment program for refugee and immigrant women in the area. And I've also partnered with, uh, I was really excited to source this sustainable wool fabric that's machine washable and is ethically sourced from non-mules sheep. (laughs) So they're happy sheep that I was told are treated like the farmer's babies. (laughs) It's so nice. I want want products made from happy sheep. (laughs) I want to put that happiness out in the world. And it means, too, that in creating the bags, there's no landfill waste. It really will be a zero waste process that I'm excited about because uh, that means that it's it's just all biodegradable or compostable. Yeah, it's a huge difference from the way that my previous bags were made, but um, without sacrificing any of the things that people loved about them. Yeah, and I think it's very different from how most probably like 99.9% of products are made in the world. So I think that like just that thoughtfulness of like every, every physical piece of the puzzle, like finding a way to make that in itself as sustainable as possible. I love. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's one of the, the advantages of my brand is that I'm approaching all of this as a materials and process engineer, because it's my job to know the most efficient or cost-effective or impactful ways to make things and to be constantly looking for drop-in replacements to improve. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like you sh- you could start a business all about just helping small business owners like do that process of like, this is what I want. I want it to make like the least impact possible. Help me figure that out because that's yeah. very overwhelming for a lot of people. So what a like, what a amazing skill to have in your back pocket as a small business owner like that, all that engineering experience. Um, Okay, what one piece of advice would you share with other small business owners? This is one that I learned from you, Lauren, from listening to your podcast and then joining your membership program later on, is I really needed the reminder that there's more than one way to do marketing and that your communication doesn't always need to be focused on just letting people know when there are sales or new product launches and things. It doesn't need to be about just selling. That if you make a connection with people that the sales will follow because they want to support you, especially Mm -hmm. as a small business owner, because that's what sets us apart as humans, (laughs) as human beings compared to, you know, just some, (laughs) some random email from a corporation where there's no name or face attached at all. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What is uh, going back to your products a little bit? What is your best selling product? Definitely kitchen towels. I've heard that the reasons people love them are not just because it's got happy artwork on there of like dumplings or flowers or or whatever, but also because they are more versatile 
than other kitchen towels out there where normally, you know, you might see a tea towel or you might see, I don't know, like a terry cloth, whatever. But these are nice because not only are they lint free and they fold up teeny tiny and they're super absorbent compared to those those terry cloth ones. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But they look good no matter how you fold them to hang them on a towel rack in your bathroom or your kitchen or no matter how you wrap a gift in them, if you're using it as reusable gift wrap, like Feroshiki style. So I think people appreciate the versatility of mm-hmm. that particular product, in addition to just the fact that the artwork is unique because it was designed by me. Yeah. <laughs> and and right. not, uh, you know, for art licensing to be on a million different products. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. We will make sure to link everything that Irene is mentioning in the show notes so you can go check them out. But I have several of Irene's tea towels and they are favorites in our house. What is working in your marketing right now? Focusing on, like you mentioned before, and just creating value beyond just from the product itself. So I've been sharing more, for instance, on the product development steps in creating this new line of tote bags that are more eco-friendly than my previous one that that really resonates with people who may have bought the original ones because they wanted to stop using single-use plastic bags. And now to show that, oh, there's an alternative that's reusable and that is from a sustainable source and helps the community in all these different ways ways along the supply chain is just an added bonus that everyone's excited about. So things like that, or just sharing, for instance, the love I have for other small businesses who are maybe like-minded in their brand values, or also create products that my customer base will love because it's brightly colored, or they're a bunch of fun squiggles or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just all these different uh, aspects of what makes my brand special. I've helped reach, uh, I, I guess, highlight some other other like-minded businesses as well. People seem to like that because then it doesn't yeah. feel salesy. It's more about just identifying, oh, where can you add a little joy to your day using everyday things rather than having products in your home just kind of exist? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. You've talked on this quite a bit already, but just in case you have something else to say on this topic, how do you approach doing good through your small business? There are a few ways that I've identified I can easily make a positive impact with my business. And one is that I'm mindful about which suppliers that I partner with, whether it's a print shop or a knitting mill or a fabric supplier in making sure that their brand values align with mine. Mm -hmm. And the other way is that I also... What's the other way? Oh, yeah. So whenever I see clearance items or second sale items, I also try and seek out ways that I can donate those to people who need them, or I sell them at a discount to entice people to buy those, to clear out space for me, but to also have more funds to donate to organizations that are day-to-day fighting for our civil and human rights to be protected. Because I, that's something that I can't do as my day job. I I don't have the capacity to do that full time, but there sure are people in the world who are doing that. And I want to fund their efforts. 
Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. What is a favorite small business book, podcast, resource? Two things. One is your podcast, Making Good. Whether and whether that's the public podcast or if you joined the private membership, they're both terrific. But the other is the Graphic Artists Guild handbook. Since my work also encompasses, you know, a couple of freelance jobs here and there, whether it's murals or like a graphic design, illustration type, surface design type of thing. First, if it's a small business that I love, then I'll take on some freelance jobs here and there. But yeah, so I use their handbook extensively to write my contracts to make sure that I'm being paid fairly and that the expectations on both sides are documented and well-known heading in that there's no confusion. No one will be disgruntled or sad or disappointed at the <laughs> end of it. But everyone's just very excited at the end. <laughs> I love that recommendation. I will definitely link to that in the show notes. I know that's going to be really helpful to a lot of people. Um, okay. Almost at the end here, two more questions. So one, why is it important for you to support other small businesses with what you learn from your own? It's a small actionable step with potential to have a large impact. And it's not inconvenient in any way for me to do so. And Mm -hmm. it makes me feel good about the way I go about, I don't know, moving through the world (laughs) where my business isn't just about making money. It's about creating a better world around me too. And for the entire community around me. So it feels like something that I'm is compelling to do. I, I, it's kind of a no brainer for me. I, I can't think of any reasons not to. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, so many people could give you a lot of reasons not to in terms of like, you know, like money, telling, money, money. <laughs> yeah, money, money, money. You're telling your competition, your secrets, like other people are going to do what you're telling them to. But I think you're right. Like the potential positive impact and like the ripple effects of like helping other small business owners in the way, like, you know, do things right or not make mistakes you've made. I I know that's been a big one for me is like, I'm always talking about the things that I've done badly or that have been really hard for me so that hopefully if someone else can like not be such a perfectionist in the beginning, the way that like I let that stop me for years then I, yeah, the impact of that potentially could be so huge. So I love just like, just being so intentionally forthcoming about what you know and what you've learned. I really admire that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for anyone listening who has already fallen in love with Chroma Rex, I would love for you to tell us about where can they connect with you? Where can they find your products? All that good stuff. Sure, I am on Instagram at chroma.rex. That's C H R. O-M-A dot R-E-X, like Rex, like T-Rex. <laughs> and on my website, chromarex.com. You can also connect with me in the newsletter, the email mailing list sign up, or you can head to the page on my website that shows all of my stockists if you're interested in checking out my stuff in person at a store that I love. <laughs> Yeah, and there's there's also a page there showing current art shows as well. Awesome. Irene, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I am, as you know, such a fan of you and your business and your approach. So I'm so glad to get to share 
more of you with my audience. So thank you. For sure. Thanks so much for having me, Lauren. I always love talking to you. Same. Isn't Irene the best? Go check out Irene and her business at the link in the show notes at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 179. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are a couple of ways that you can give back to Making Good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 179. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just Peachy Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.